Amen. Well, it has been a few weeks where I have uh, missed being up here preaching the word of God to you. I really believe this is the best church in the world. Uh, I love our Walk Church family. I love each and every one of you and so honored that you chose to be here uh, today. We've been in a series that we've titled Believe the Hype. And we've had a few guests over the past few weeks as my wife and I have been getting accustomed to uh, moving from the man-to-man defense to the 2-3 zone. Amen? Right? We're learning how to, how to juggle these three little boys and uh, thank the Lord for, for them. God's been kind to us. And thank you for your prayers uh, in our lives as well. Um, we've, we've felt them and the Lord has been good. And so we've been in this series and we've been talking about this phrase, believe the hype. Believe the hype. As you can see in the scripture, all these different topics and subjects that have kind of this form of hype around them, uh, but can we really believe them is the question that we've been wrestling with. And I'm convinced that the things we've been talking about, the answer is yes. We started a few weeks ago uh, where we we looked at the Easter message. We talked about the resurrection of, of Christ and how Jesus didn't just die on the, grave, on the cross, but he rose from the grave and defeated death and hell. And we, we asked this question, is that just hype? Is that just noise? Is that just something that has a lot of buzz around it? Or can we actually believe it? We looked at how there's historical fact, there's biblical precedent, and how the resurrection is made alive even through us today. And we went from there, and we said, okay, well, what happened after Jesus rose? What did he do? What did things look like? And we went to the book of Acts specifically in Acts chapter one, and we zeroed in on verse eight to see the instruction Jesus gave after he rose. I wanna look at that verse with you right now just to give us a little bit of a refresher of our minds. So let's look at Acts chapter one, verse eight. The scripture says, Jesus is talking to the church, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The reason why I really like this passage and am impacted by it is because the first thing he says believe the hype about is believe the hype about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit of God empowers us to do things that we would have never done on our own. I love this word power right here. It's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. That the Holy Spirit, when he comes into your life, right, there's this explosive power that he gives you to say no to sin, yes to him, say no to the world and the flesh, and say yes to this new life he's given you in Christ. That can only happen by his power. Believe the hype about the Spirit. And then we talked about believing the hype about your witness and how the Holy Spirit empowers us to be a witness with two L words. I don't know if y'all remember them or not, but to be a witness with your lips and to be a witness with your life to not only communicate your witness for Christ, but to live it out like you believe it and you mean it, to preach what you live and to live what you preach. And then lastly, we talked about believing the hype about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is bigger than just Las Vegas, right? God is a global God, amen? He's a global God. What does that mean? He's global and he's local. He's all over the place. He's a really big God. So yes, you'll find God in Jerusalem. Yes, you'll find him in Judea. You can go even a little further. You can cross cultures. You'll find him in Samaria. Yep, you can even go further. You can find him in Las Vegas, amen, right? Some, some call this place the city of sin. What a lie. It's the city of him, right? Because God is on display in this place in such a major way, and I'm excited about it. I don't know about you, but I think you can believe the hype about this guy named Jesus and what he wants to do in and through us today. So now that we got, the, we got the setting, right? Uh, what did the believers 
What did they do from here? Right? Jesus tells them, he goes, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. He's going to empower you, and you will be my witnesses all throughout the world. So I wonder if the disciples were like, all right, like, that's what's up. Like, okay. So what should we do? Because Jesus ascended from that moment 2,000 plus years ago this weekend. This is the weekend of Pentecost, right? How cool is that? Timed up perfectly. And here's what the believers did after that that I want us to draw our next statement from. Let's continue looking at Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 12, going through 14. It says, So then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, one of my favorites, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, naming all the disciples who were there in the room that night. Simon the Zealot was also there. Judas, the son of James, was also there. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So I want you to just, can you put yourself there in the room for a second? Can you use your imagination to just go back, 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 back and land in the upper room 2,000 years ago where Jesus is on display with his disciples, right? And now they're here together. And what's the one thing that they're doing? What's the action of the church right here? Can y'all see it? Come on, I'll highlight it for you. Give you the cheat sheet. What are they doing? Right? All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Now, one of the words that I'm convicted about here is this word devoting. When you think of devotion, what are you thinking of? When you think of you're going to devote yourself to something, where does your mind go? I think of something intense. I think of discipline. I think of being intentional. I think of being active. I think of being very meticulous about something because I'm devoted to it. I'm bought in. I'm giving to it. And it says here that the believers were devoting themselves to prayer. I want to preach a message to you this morning that I'm titling, Believe the Hype About Prayer. Believe the Hype About Prayer. Now, some of y'all are looking at me right here and like, oh, man, here he goes. He's about to hit us over the head with the, the, the prayer message. Tell us about how bad we are because we need to pray more. Now, what I want to do with this message is, is less of that and more of encourage you on the subject of prayer in hopes that it might motivate you to, to pray again. That Martin Luther once said, prayer to the life of the believer is like breathing to the life of the living person. Right? And, and I pray that this message would just be a boost for you to pray again, for you to believe again, for you to breathe again, and for you to trust that God is doing something when, when we're praying. Right? Think about it like this. Jim Cimbala, he wrote a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. He's a pastor in New York. And he said, isn't it interesting that the church was not started by somebody preaching, but by people praying? That the, the church of Jesus Christ was birthed out of a prayer meeting. That we see from this moment, the Holy Spirit show up, show off, fill the believers, and they went out and did Acts 1-8. But it wasn't 
It wasn't going to happen until they got together on one accord and started devoting themselves to prayer. So I want to give you some points this morning that I hope would set you free and help you pray again. Three reasons why you can believe the hype about prayer. If you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry for this word this morning, say let's eat. Bump the person next to you and say let's go. Let's do it. Point number one is you should believe the hype about prayer because that's what kingdom leaders do. Believe the hype about prayer. Prayer, by definition, is a conversation with God. And you should believe it because that's what kingdom leaders do. Let me, let me go ahead and put it like this. You find me somebody who has had significant kingdom of God impact, and I'll find you somebody who's had a prayer life. You show me somebody who's made a difference with their life for Jesus, I'll show you somebody who prays. You can't separate the two. You can't divorce the idea of having significant, substantial impact for God from prayer. It's just not how God works. I can't find the person who left a, a, a fingerprint, who left a footprint uh, on their life and their legacy for God and didn't have a prayer life to follow. And so I want to encourage you, believe the hype about prayer because that's what kingdom leaders do. I think that the disciples in Acts chapter 1, got to this moment and said, okay, what should we do now? And maybe somebody, right, let's just say it was Thaddeus. He's a disciple that doesn't get much love. I'll just pick on him for a second. Thad was like, hey, guys, I know what we should do. And they're like, what should we do, Thaddeus? He goes, we should pray. Because you know why? Anytime we saw God move in the left side of the book, it happened out of prayer. You can search the Old Testament. You could survey each book in the Old Testament. There's a whole lot of them, right? And you'll find people praying. Now, some of y'all looking at me like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. All right. Well, let me go ahead and prove it to you. Can I prove it to you? If you're ready, say ready. I'm going to prove it to you, all right? Well, in Genesis chapter 20, verse 17, we find Abraham set apart by God, called by God, and here we find him praying for a man named Abimelech to be healed and God healed him. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife to have a baby. Next thing you know, she did. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 30, we find Moses going out from Pharaoh, praying to the Lord and God answering his prayer. In Judges chapter 13, verse 8, Manoah prays to the Lord and God answers him. In 1 Samuel 1, verses 10 through 12, Hannah, who was deeply distressed about her baby boy, prays to the Lord. In verse 12, it says, then she continued in prayer. Go on a little further. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6, Hannah now has a son. His name's Samuel. He grows up and he's a man of prayer and he's found in the temple praying. In 2 Samuel 7, verse 27, we see King David come along. King David says in this text, your servant has found courage to pray and he will pray. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 28, Solomon, David's son, rises up and prays a dynasty. Can I keep going? Are y'all tracking with me? We're like halfway through the Old Testament. So y'all think I'm crazy. But we see Solomon lifting up his prayer of repentance to the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, Elisha prayed to the Lord as he saw modeled from his disciple Elijah, and he opened a blind man's eyes to see. In 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 15, Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and brought praise to his name. In Ezra chapter 10, verse 1, Ezra prayed and made a confession to the Lord, and God showed up in the house of the Lord and answered his 
prayer. In Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah heard the report about the city and how the walls were torn down. And it says, Nehemiah got alone and prayed. It's just what he did and God showed up and responded. In the book of Job, Job went through 42 chapters of suffering and, and plagues and all types of illness. But it wasn't until chapter 42 until he was restored. And why was he restored? Because he prayed for his friends. The book of Psalms, we see David's prayer journal. You see 150 chapters of people praying. You see David all throughout the Psalms lifting up his heart and petition to the Lord in prayer. Psalm 51, we see his prayer of confession and repentance and brokenness. In Psalm 5, he calls out to the Lord. In Psalm 35, he prays for blessing. In Psalm 116 and 118 and 122, David on his knees, on his face, saying, God, I need you to move. Are y'all feeling me, church? Do y'all see what I'm saying? Believe the hype about prayer. That's what they did. This is not just something that they did in the past. This is something we need to do now. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12. The Lord reminds Jeremiah that he hears his people when they pray. In Jeremiah 32, verse 16, Jeremiah goes before God and prays. In Daniel 6, verse 10, Daniel goes up to the windows where everybody's watching so he can pray to the Lord. In Daniel 9, verse 20, Daniel's praying and confessing his sin to the Lord. In Jonah chapter 2, he's swallowed by a fish, but in the belly of the fish, he prays to the Lord and God spits him out, right? God is he's looking for a church who's going to get serious about prayer. And I don't know about you, but I want to learn from those who went before us, and I think their testimony would be like, hey, man, start praying. God will start moving. We have a mentality here that we've embraced at Walk Church that when man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. What if we took that statement serious and put it into action? How about all of that, all of that? It didn't even touch the New Testament. Should we touch it? Should we go to the New Testament or should we just go from there? All right, we got one person that wants to keep going, Johnny P. I'm with you, bro. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, not only love your enemies, but pray for your enemies. In Matthew 6, verse 5 and 9, he says, when you pray, you should pray like this. Notice Jesus doesn't say, if you pray. He doesn't say, you should pray. He doesn't say, maybe one day you'll pray. He says, when. When you do it, do it like this. Prayer was not an option. It was an expectation from the Savior. You know why? Because he loves to hear from you. Because God loves to hear from you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, Jesus says, pray earnestly. Matthew 14, verse 23, after he dismissed the crowds, he went out to pray. Right In the, in the gospel of Luke chapter 22, we see Jesus on the cross. And he utters prayer from the cross, Lord, forgive them, for they do not even know what they're doing. Right? Jesus rises, right? He commissions the church. They're devoting themselves to prayer in Acts chapter 1. Well, in Acts chapter 9, we see a guy named Saul get saved. Saul, who's also known as Paul, gets saved and set free, right? How does he get saved? Well, because a guy named Ananias found him and prayed for him. We see the, this church planting movement happen, right, where the apostle Paul is planting the Ephesian church, the Colossian church, the Philippian church. All these different churches are getting set off. And what do we see in the letters? Paul praying for them. I want to encourage you to pray again and to find confidence in your prayers because when you pray, brother, sister, God moves. What if you regained your confidence to lift it up again, to take this topic of prayer 
serious. That's the first reason. That's what kingdom leaders do. If you want to be a king, if you want to just be uh, uh, somebody who has an average role in the kingdom of God, have an average prayer life. Fair? If you, if you don't really want to have a role, you don't want God to use you, you don't want to have big faith, have a, have a small prayer life. If you want to go to the next level, go to the next level with your prayers. And God will move. Let me give you the second reason why you should believe the hype about prayer. Not only because that's what kingdom leaders do, but because God hears prayer. This one's super simple, y'all. I, I want to keep it super simple, but man, I thought I was going to hear at least 10 amens when I said that word. Like, believe the hype about prayer, here's why. Because God hears you. Believe the hype about prayer because God hears you. I'm waiting for all, everybody. Believe the hype about prayer because God hears you. Do y'all, y'all act like y'all are like, y'all know God, God breathes out stars. He's like super big. Like we breathe out germs. God breathes out Mars, right? Like God breathes out Saturn and names them. And he hears you. Like how wild is that? You have a direct line to God. You have access to God. Here's why you should believe the hype about prayer and its significance. Because God's promised us that he hears us. The great prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, once said it like this, and he was a great man of prayer. He said, if you believe in prayer at all, expect God to hear you. If you do not expect, you will not have. God will not hear you unless you believe he will hear you. But if you believe he will, he will be as good as your faith. If you have big faith in a big God, expect God to do big things in your life. I really believe if we collectively have big faith in a big God, we can expect God to do big things in our city, in our jobs, in our homes, in our, in our schools. We want to see God unleash his power and presence. It started in a prayer meeting. I've, I've been searching the scripture. I'm a Bible scholar. It's what I do for a living. I'm trying to find the loophole on how to see God move. I can't find it apart from prayer. God says, no, you got to go through me to get it. <laughs> if you want to see me move, you got to come to me first. If you want to see me make a difference, why don't you come to me? Because guess what? When you come to me, I'll listen. I'll hear you. We see in 1 John chapter 5 a, a promise from God, right? He says, this is the confidence I want you to have confidence in your prayer life again. See, I think sometimes we go to prayer and we're, we're already defeated. But our confidence is this. God hears you. Our confidence is that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. That if we get, if we get in this book and we start asking God to speak, and we start downloading this, we like open up our hearts and we like start put, putting the word of God back in, right? We start having a conversation with God where we talk to him in prayer and he talks to us through his word and we're having fellowship with God. And he says, ask me what you want. It'll align with me. Psalm chapter five, verse three, we see David talking about prayer. He says, oh Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. What a good word. I might try to put this verse somewhere in my, in my room so that right when I wake up, I see that. That right when I wake up in the morning, God wants to hear me. That's humbling, amen? God, you want to hear me? 
that God hears your voice in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. In Isaiah 56 verse 7, this prophetic word that Jesus also quotes in his New Testament ministry. Would y'all read it with me? Ready? One, two, three. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. You know if you really want to find somebody, like really, really, really want to find somebody, you know what you should do? Go to their house. Now that might be weird. It's 2019. Like we don't go to people's houses, right? Like it's like, come on, man. I don't, don't come to my house, right? That's why I encourage you to get in a charge group. If you really want to find that relationship, that connection, get plugged in. Go to someone's house and get connected. God says this, hey, if you really want to find me, come to my house. How about you got an invitation to God's house? And you know what God's house is built of? He says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. That means there's space for you, amen? Amen. There's space for your prayers. God has reserved a block of space for your prayers. And so often that block is, is sitting unreserved, nothing's there, it's vacant. And God's saying, what, why don't you come over? Why don't you come over again? Come on, Walk Church, why don't you come over again? Why don't you come spend time with me again? I wanna hear from you. I believe that we have, we, we have evidence in the Bible that God longs to hear from us. But not only does God long to hear from us, I believe God loves to hear from us. That there's something pleasing about the prayers of God's people that he loves to hear. The book of Revelation tells us that in heaven, there's a bowl of incense around God's throne room. And inside that bowl of incense is all the prayers of God's people rising up as a pleasing aroma to him. It's the, it's the new essential oil. It's the heavenly essential oil called prayer. All right? That God loves that stuff, right? And he's like, man, I, I need that. I want that. Would, would, would the church pray again? Would you leave this service today? Just believe in the hype about prayer that would maybe motivate you to talk to God again. All right, so the first two points, believe the hype about prayer because that's what kingdom leaders do. You won't find anybody apart from that. Believe the hype about prayer because, man, this is good news. God hears you. That's good. But can I give you the third one? It's my favorite. Is that God responds to prayer. So, so, so it's nice that God listened to me. But it can, what can I do to move God into action? I want to set God up for action mode. God, I want you to move in my life. Believe the hype about prayer because God responds to prayer. Like he, 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 he hears our prayers, y'all. And he says, I'm about to do something now. I wonder if God is in heaven like, you know, I wish I could really do something more at Walk Church. Just want to do something more in your life. Ask me. I really want to move in your marriage. Ask me. Check me into the game. I really want to move at Schofield. Ask me. I really want to move in your kids' lives. Ask me. Because God says, I promise you this. I'll respond. I'll respond. There's three ways that God always, everybody say always. God always responds to prayer. There's one of three ways. You're going to get one of these answers, all right? Let's talk about them for our note takers. Write these down. Number one, God might respond with a yes immediately. He might. He's been known to respond with yes immediately. 
Like, for example, we needed a place to meet for church. Uh, they're working on the cafeteria floors. We needed to meet. They said, God, we, can help us, Lord. We, can we meet in this gym? Yes, immediately. We're here today. Amen? He, he's on it. He's in it. God, we need scholarships for all the students that want to go to camp that need scholarships. Yes, immediately. He used you to make it happen. Amen? You were the answer to the prayer. You were the answer to the prayer. God, we need you to help us get there safe. Yes, immediately, right? God, we need you to move and feed us today. Yes, I mean, God, sometimes his answer, praise the Lord, God, I pray you'd wake me up tomorrow morning, is yes, immediately. And we love them when that happens. Be careful what you pray for, though, right? Because um, you might get it immediately. But the second way that God answers prayer is sometimes he says yes, but not yet. Sometimes God says, yes, I'm going to answer that prayer, but not quite yet. Like, for example, maybe you're a freshman in college. You say, Lord, I really want to graduate from college. He's probably going to answer you, yes, but not yet. you got a whole bunch more classes to do, right, and a whole bunch more work to do, right, a whole bunch more prayers to pray. Yes, I'm going to help you do that, but not yet. I've seen this answer in my life so often. One of the ways I saw this tangibly effective in my life recently is, is God brought me to a prayer I prayed a decade ago. Ten years ago, I remember this moment. I was in North Carolina. I had just gotten saved uh, through the ministry of FCA, Fellowship Christian Athletes. I love sports ministry. I was a college basketball player, freshman in, in college, and I, I ended up going to, this, to, to, to be a leader of different middle school and high school students at this camp in North Carolina. I remember the night session, and there was this pastor preaching, and man, he was bringing such a good word. And I looked up and I looked around and I saw all these athletes, including myself, growing. And I said, Lord, it just came up out of my heart. I just said, Lord, one day I wanna speak at an FCA camp, and I pray that you would put me in a position to minister your word to student athletes. That was my prayer. And honestly, I forgot about it. But God said, yes, but not yet. And, and last month, I get a phone call from an FCA director in Pennsylvania, and he goes, hey, is this Hayden? I said, yeah, who's this? He goes, I'm the FCA director in, in Pennsylvania. We got your name from somebody, and they said that you need to be our speaker for the biggest East Coast FCA camp next month. How do you feel about that? I said, man, I prayed for that. I've, I've been waiting for this call. I knew this call was going to happen. I've been waiting for it. God said, yes. The next year came, it didn't happen. The next year came, it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that it was a wasted prayer. It just means I had to trust this process, amen, that the, the waiting season is not a wasted season. It's God's developing you for his answer. So my, right now, you might be in the not yet, and that's okay. It doesn't mean it's over. It just means that God's working on you. I, need, I needed so much shaping and chiseling and molding and growing that I believe has prepared me for what's about to happen. And I didn't even think about Pennsylvania. God knew what he was doing, though. Sometimes it's yes, but not yet. Other times, God may answer you with this answer right here. I have something better. Trust me. Now, this, this is the most frustrating answer. But notice what it is. I don't believe it's a no. I don't believe God's saying no. I believe God's saying I love you so much that if I gave you that, it would hinder you rather than help you. 
I love you so much that I got something even better for you, so trust me. So sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer the, th- the way you thought he would. And what he does is say, I got something better. Trust me. And some of you are in this season where you're praying about things, or maybe you need to start praying about things. And if God says, hey, not right now, or I have something different than what you just asked, trust him. Trust him that his ways are not your ways, and that is a good thing. Amen? How good, isn't that good news? That God's ways are not like yours? They're better. I'll tell you what, my ways get in the way. My ways are the problem. I think that's why Jesus says, I am the way, right? He says, I'm the way. Get, get on my way. Don't get in my way. Join my way. We do that through prayer. We do that through aligning. Tim Keller, he, he wrote an awesome book on prayer. And Dr. Keller says it like this. He says, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knows. If we could comprehend, man, God knows this, and he knows this is what's best for me. We would ask for that. You can trust him in his ways. God responds to prayer, y'all. There's, a, there's an example in the Bible that I love. It's, it's a story that Jesus gives us when he talks about how God responds. I want us to look at it. It's one of my favorites. It's in Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 1 through 8. Let's look at this together. Jesus, toward the end of his ministry, says... He told them a parable. Now, what's a parable? A parable is a story that the outcome has a kingdom principle. So it could be a, 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 some type of story. It could be a mythological story. It could be a made-up story that Jesus is using to try to get our attention to teach us a kingdom principle. All right? Does that make sense? Jesus says, I want to teach you all about prayer. That's the good news because if you didn't like the, 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 this message up to this point, then just take the message from Jesus, all right? Right? Hopefully he's in it all. He says, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So, so let, me, let me highlight that word always. Believe the hype about prayer because Jesus tells us to pray. Always. Every way. Take him at his word. He said, in a certain city, let's just call it Las Vegas, all right? In Las Vegas, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, the judge says, you know, I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Notice that right there. Is that not not a wow statement? Like Jesus says, okay, I'm going to pick a story to help you guys learn about prayer. This is the story he picks? What's he trying to teach us? Let me tell you what he's trying to teach us, church. He's trying to teach us that we should bother him with prayer. Jesus says, you guys are like the widow. You're like the needy person. You're like the person who has a need. And she shows up day after day after day. I'm here, judge, again. He's like, this girl again? 
Whatever she needs, just get rid of her. Just, just give it to her. God's saying, now, if that's how that happened, how much more am I going to respond when my people show up day after day, banging on my house door? I'm going to answer it and let you in. Pray again. Walk church, pray again. Family, pray again. Take time, be intentional, carve out moments in your day to pray again. Let this be just a, a, a shot of motivation in your arm to pray again. That Man, that hit me. I got to pray again. I feel like praying again. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Right, Jesus sets the standard. He goes, daytime and nighttime, call to me. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Everybody say speedily. Come on, right? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes to Las Vegas... Will he find faith on earth? It's a good question. When God shows up in your life, will he find faith? Let me answer it for you. Here's how you'll know. Check your prayer life. If your prayer life is minimal, your faith's minimal. If your prayer life is average, your faith's average. Because if you really believed the things I just said, that God hears your prayer and God responds to your prayer, you'd pray like it. You'd pray like it. You'd start getting before God and saying, God, I believe with all my faith that you are able to do something in my life. I'm going to pray again. Jesus gives us this example in Luke chapter 18. So as we close, I want to close with this. And and the reason why I want to close in this direction is because I've, been, I've sat through enough church services, conferences, podcasts, whatever you want to call it, that have sufficiently inspired me to pray. Like, okay, God, I get it. I need to pray more. But it's, have left me without the handlebars on, on how to pray more. Does that make sense? So I don't want you to leave here today saying, okay, I need to pray more. I need to pray more and not know how to or not know when to, or not know what to. I want to give you some how-tos as we close this message. I want to give you five areas in your life to seize, to seize. The word seize means to take hold of. It means to cling to, to, to grip onto. It means to take hold of something. I'm going to give you five areas to seize. If you're ready, say ready. All right, here we go. I want you to write these down, take a screenshot of them, do what you got to do. Uh, we're going to post them on our social media as well. But here's the five things for you to seize. One, seize your commute. Seize your commute. I'm going to guess that a lot of the people here in this service right now have jobs somewhere. Somewhere. Some of you have to drive 20 minutes to get there. Some of you have to drive an hour to get there. Some of you have to drive two minutes to get there. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to daily seize your commute and carve out some time to pray. To say, to say okay, you know what? I'm going to this place. I have the option. I could put my favorite song on. I could listen to last week's sermon. I could do this. That I could make a phone call right now. I hope you're not texting at that moment, right? You could do all those things. But here's what I would encourage you to do. To stop there in the moment and say, I'm going to use this car ride to pray. I'm going to take this commute, and maybe it's 20 minutes. Maybe you just take the first five. 
and say, I'm going to give that first five to praying. Last night, I was reminded of this. I got to uh, go show up for a friend of mine's comedy show. Uh, he was doing a comedy show. He finally got to uh, have his first ever show that he put on to, by himself. And I remember showing up at the show, and it was such a cool time because I saw so many friends of mine from high school. It was like a mini reunion. I was giving everybody handshakes. And to my surprise, so many people wanted to ask about church. They said, man, I'm so excited about what you're doing. I know I don't come too much, but I'd love to check it out at some point. Tell me about the church. And we had so many divine appointments and God conversations right there at the show. And I was like, man, that was dope. And I got back in my car, and I started the car, and I started going through my Spotify list. I was going to put a playlist on. I was feeling good. And God said, no. Take this drive home to, to pray about everything that you just talked about. And man, I'll tell you what, my prayer ride, my car ride home was so good because I just started, man, God, I remember this person. I want to start praying for them right now. I remember this person. I want to start praying for their family right now. This person showed me a picture of their, their family. God, I'm praying for them right now. I'm praying for this person to get connected. I'm praying for this person's drug addiction. I'm praying for this person's dysfunctional story. I prayed that. I prayed my way home, y'all. And I felt more effective about that. And if I would have just put my favorite sermon on, you could, you could trade in a good thing for the best thing. I think the best thing would be to seize your commute, amen? What if you took God at that word? Let me give you the second point. We're almost done. Seize your commute. That's one way to do it. Seize your morning. Take hold of your morning. Church, I believe the best thing you could do when you wake up is talk to God. I think the first thing that you could do. If you want to pay God back, you couldn't. But if you wanted to, start your morning by talking to him. Start your morning by thanking him. Start your morning by praising him. Let the first voice be to God. Right when you wake up, I'm up. God, I want to talk to you. God, I got a big plan today. I'm just going to work. I'm going to get in my car. I, I, God, I need your help. I'm going to meet somebody today. Help me to meet somebody today. God, help me to, to, to breathe again. Help me to, help me to go to the gym today. God, help me to talk to somebody and encourage them today. God, help me to strengthen my mind and heart today. God, keep me from lust today. Keep me from pride today. Keep me focused today. God, I need you to move today before I do anything else. Seize your morning. Seize your morning, church. I love how Adrian Rogers said it, famous preacher from Memphis, Tennessee. He said, said it like this. The prayer offered to God in the morning during your quiet time is the key that unlocks the door of the day. Any athlete knows that it's the start that ensures a good finish. We had one of our track athletes uh, here in the service before, and she said, man, the, the, the start of the race is the most important. You can't start slow. If you start slow, you already lost. Some of us are losing our days before we even begin. We're losing our day before we get out of bed. You know why? Because the first thing you go to is your text messages. The first thing you go to is the news, discouraging. The first thing you go to is Facebook. You start comparing. The first thing you go to is your Instagram messages. You got none, so you feel bad, right? So, the, 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 right? so, so all of a sudden you do, can I get up? Come on, somebody, right? Oh, right? You're like, man, I'm, I'm lonely. I'm lonely. And God's like, I'm here. I'm here. Why don't you talk to me? Why don't you talk to me? If you talk to me, you'll win the day. Seize your morning. Take hold of that morning time again. Maybe you say, man, i got to wake up five minutes earlier than that. Hey, you might have to. You might have facts. You might have to. Let me give you your next seize. 
right? Seize the morning. Maybe you guessed it. Seize your evening. Seize your evening. I don't know about you, but maybe sometimes throughout the day you have stuff that happens, right? The tire goes out or somebody cuts you off. You got discouraged. You got screaming kids. You're in an argument with a family member. You, you, you didn't, you, you got sick. I don't know. You had all types of things that happen. Think about all the things that happen in 24 hours. I mean, there's all types of stuff happening, right? What if you closed your day by talking to God? I mean, all right, God, let me just go, let me just, let me do an inventory of my day. I ran into that person at the grocery store. God, I want to pray for them right now. God, I, I had this happen in my, God, I want to talk to you about all those things. How about this? A, a few years ago, I mean, I just felt like, man, I was having all types of crazy dreams, like just wild dreams, right? Like, I was like, man, how come I'm saved, but the person in my dreams isn't? Can anybody relate to that? You're like, who is that person in my dreams, right? You're like in Grand Theft Auto in your dreams, right? I, I, started, I started praying, my wife and I together, we, we start before we went to sleep, let's start praying for our dreams. Come on. I start, Lord, I pray I lead somebody to Jesus in my dream tonight. God, I pray I do something great for you in my dream tonight. God, I pray that I would choose you even in my dream tonight. God, I pray that I would glorify you even in my dreams. And you know what? Man, that changed the course of my dreams. Like God started engaging in my dream. You can do that. You can pray that prayer. You know why? Because God loves to hear you and God responds to your prayers. Amen. Believe the hype about it. Seize the nighttime. Don't just have all that information dump from movies to music to social media to pictures and noises and city. Don't have all that hit you and you just go to sleep. Man, go ahead and give that to the Lord. Amen. Seize your evening. Let me give you the fourth one. Seize your meals. Seize your meals. Some of y'all, when y'all pray before your meals, it sounds like this. Dear God, thank you. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's eat. Right? Like, what is that? Who taught you to pray like that? That robotic prayer. Like, yeah, I learned that in grammar school. Like, you know, like, I just pray that every time. I don't even know what I'm saying. Right? No, seize your meal as an opportunity to really pray. To say, all right, God, this burrito right here looks amazing. Let me pray. And just start glorifying God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me some food to eat. Thank you, Jesus, if you're with some people, for these people that are in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the car that got me here. Thank you, Jesus, for the refrigerator that I have to put it in. God, thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to eat. As I eat right now, help me never to forget how good you are, Lord. Well, if you prayed that prayer, it would enhance your meal. Some of us are so rushed, we can't even enjoy it. I think prayer before the meal is supposed to help you enjoy it. Come on, brother, right? Amen? You with me? I'm just trying to give you some practical ways to do this thing, right? All of a sudden, if you do this, you'll be four for four. I prayed four times today and had real prayer moments. Let me give you the last and final one, and I'm done. I'm stepping off. Seize your problems. Seize your problems. What I mean by that is take hold of your problems. Like, go to your problems, take hold of them, give them to God. This, th this is a word for somebody here today. I mean, let me see everybody's eyes. 
I want to see everybody's eyes because this might be a word for you. I want to give you this word prophetically from the Bible. That, that some of your problems are not going to be answered by counseling. Some of your problems are not going to be answered if you just can get in a relationship and find community. Some of your problems are not going to be answered if you could just get some more money in your bank account. Some of your problems are not going to be answered if you could just make the team. Some of your problems aren't going to be answered if you could just be more popular. Some of your problems aren't going to be answered if your spouse would just decide to go to church with you. Let me just tell you this. All those things, they're not bad things. Those are really good things. But some of your problems are only going to be answered if you start praying about them. All right? If you start praying about them, if you start going to God and saying, Lord, I got problems. My profession as a pastor, let me just confess something to you guys. I get calls from people all week long about their problems. All of us have problems. All of us have some type of problems. And you know what? I feel like in the first couple years of, of ministry, I would try to have st strategies and solutions and answers like, oh, okay, let me diagnose that with, with do, try this, do this, do that, do this. Right? You know what I do now? I just say, have you prayed about it? Did you? I know that's, that, that, that's a problem. Have you stopped to really pray about your problem? And it's amazing how many people go, no, never even thought to do that. I wonder if God's like, I'm waiting to fix it. Tag me in so I can fix it. Because his answer is yes immediately. Or his answer is yes, but not yet. Or his answer is, hey, I even got something better. I want to show it to you if you let me. The word for you today is, hey, not that, not that any of those things are bad, but man, God is calling you to pray. One of the scriptures that I'm kind of scared of it. I don't really like it that much. It's not really like a feel-good scripture. It's when the man who was de demonically possessed is having all types of outbursts and bad behavior. And the disciples came up to him and said, in the name of Jesus, come out of him. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And he was, the dude was all types of messed up. And so finally the disciples stopped and they said, Jesus, we, we need you. Tag Jesus in. And Jesus speaks back to those demons. He heals this guy. And it says, later that night, the disciples said, Jesus, how come we couldn't heal him? And he goes, because some things can only come out with prayer. Some of the things that you're dealing with can only come out by you taking them to God, going into the secret place and saying, God, I want to pray for this burden on my heart. I want to pray for this trauma that I've experienced. I want to pray for this person that I hate. Right? Because I'll tell you what, often, sometimes people come to me and say, man, I, I, I just can't forgive this person. And I'll say this, have you prayed for them? I can't pray. It's so hard to pray for them, right? But if you do, that might unleash the freedom in your life to breathe again. And that might unleash God to work in them because you prayed for them and God showed up in them. I want to give you that word this morning, Walk Church. Take your problems to God. I'll say it like this, reality statement. I'm stepping off because I'm done. If your problem is big enough to be your problem, then your problem is big enough to be your prayer. Amen? Let's pray.